Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Let's give it up for God this morning. God, just overflow in this place, God, because we do need your presence this morning. And I just pray, God, that you will just heal hearts this morning, that you'll just change lives through the message today, God, that you will just bring connection to people who need connection today, God, that you'll just be here in this place. If that's the cry of your heart this morning, if that's what you believe this morning, Real Life Church, can we say it together in Jesus' name, amen. Man, it is so good to see you this morning. Are you having a good Sunday so far? You are. That's so good to hear. I mean, you look like you're having a good Sunday. You sound wonderful. A very well, you know, can I just say a very well-dressed group this morning, if I can say that. I'll stop being weird. I'm super pumped you're here. Welcome to Real Life Church. Before you have a seat, we're going to welcome a really special group, and we're going to welcome them big. This is called Real Life Church Online. Let them hear you this morning. Come on. Man, they are such a huge part of our church. And if you're online right now, welcome. Throw up those likes and those hearts. Interact with each other in the comments. And just have a great Sunday with us. Hey, everyone in the room, I'm pumped you're here too. Please be seated at this time. Man, it's been a great morning so far. Can't wait to see what God's going to do through the rest of our gathering today. But before we do anything, I want to extend a huge welcome to anyone who's brand new at Real Life Church. Here in the room, brand new online, got a big ask for you. I want you to, if you're online, I want you to click the link that you're seeing now. And if you're in the room, I'm going to ask you to get out your phone. I want you to text RL NEW to 97,000. And we just want to reach out to you this week. Our connection team does such a great job of following up with you. And it's completely digitally. No one's ever going to show up at your door unannounced from Real Life Church. We just want to check in on you. We want to see how can we be praying for you this week and what questions you might have. Just make sure you felt welcome here at Real Life Church. I'm going to ask you to do that. And I'm also going to ask one more thing if you're brand new in the room. Please don't leave here this morning without stopping by our new here booth. It's right out there on the hub. You can't miss it. And we have a small gift for you. Just our way of saying thanks for being here today. And after you do that, I'm going to also ask you not to leave without finding somebody with a name tag, because we would just love to hear your story, connect with you, and just see how we can help you plant some roots here at Real Life Church. Basically, we just want to say what it says on the screen, welcome home. Welcome home. I want to give you something to think about and pray about too. What would happen if you gave God three more Sundays this end of summer going into the fall here at Real Life Church. We've got some really exciting things coming up that you'll hear about later in our gathering today. And I'm going to be real, guys, it just wouldn't be the same without you. Let me tell you a little bit more about Real Life Church. So you see, Real Life Church is a church on a mission. And that mission goes way beyond what we're doing right now here on Sunday morning. That mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. We believe firmly that God has a plan for your life, whether you know about it yet or not. 
And I just want to say, another way we like to say it is we're a church for the unchurched. And we're that place you can come to to learn, to find out more about who God is and what the Bible has to say about his son, Jesus. You don't have to have all the brains, all the intellect, all the spiritual Bible quizzy know-it-all. That's not what we're about. We want to meet you where we are and introduce you to a Savior who loves you. Come on, somebody. Can I get amen on that? Man! We would love to just walk with you this week and be on mission with us. Well, hey, I've got some exciting news. We're going to bring back a message series that we thought was long gone. We have an extended edition of that series. If that series was the main feature, these are the Blu-ray extras. This is Question. I knew that would pop Jared in the back. He's a cinephile, as they say. Loves movies. But we're going to bring back questions today. And these are not fluffy questions. We're not going to ask you or we're not going to answer any of the, the simple ones. These are the ones that maybe we're not always quick to verbalize, to say out loud. These are the questions that we wrestle with and that seldom get talked about. But I've got a special guy waiting in the wings that he loves to dive in. He loves to dig deep and ask and answer those questions. So I know you're going to make him feel welcome, this beautiful bald gentleman holding the podium. This is Barry Hardy. Give it up for Barry today. We're going to be blessed. Come on, man. I don't know about beautiful, but I'll take bald. I've been dealing with it for, uh, I don't know, what's uh, 45 minus 17. I lost my hair early. Man, talk about beautiful. Look at all the red jerseys out there, chief jerseys. You guys are looking good out there this morning. Man, that's right. Did you guys know that Kansas City just went super spiritual last week, though? Man, there was millions of people in this city on their knees at halftime praying for the Chiefs. They're like, man, what is going on? I know you guys were praying. I know you guys. That was a two-minute two warning. Is that what it was? <laughs> that was old, well, we never prayed back in the day. Early ah, Chiefs don't have a chance, even with God on their side. Man, I love, I love this series called Questions. It was been, it's been so powerful, just so, so enlightening. Uh, I just, I got to thank Pastor Sean, though. He's up here laughing at me right now. I'm just so thankful that he didn't have me do the question we did two weeks ago. Are you going to get vaccinated? Were you guys freaking out when he came out with that question? I know I'll wash you guys' faces. You're like, all right, let's see what he has to say. We're going to give him a chance, but he better not mess this one up. But, man, no, it was really good. It was such an awesome, powerful, encouraging, redemptive message. I'm not going to tell you what he said. I want you to go. If you weren't here and you didn't listen to it, go back. It's on our archives. You can go back and listen to that, that week or any of the other weeks of questions. Because here's the thing about questions. God will challenge you with those. And as Pastor Sean walked through the pages of Scripture and just challenged our hearts, man, he has so much good stuff in there. There will be an encouragement, word of encouragement for you. Please go back and check those out. I've always been a person that loved questions. I told the first group this morning, I had a grandpa that said, your first uh, word wasn't mom or dad, it was why. And I've always been a person that wanted to know why. I had questions because I needed the reason and the questions that come in life aren't always easy, and that's the ones we were talking about. So the questions that we're going to explore today have many uh, various forms, or it's driving from different directions. Ask yourself this one. Have you guys ever heard any of these questions? Have you guys ever asked yourself this question? Man, why can't I break through this anxiety? Why am I still dealing with depression or addiction? Why is my marriage failing? And why is everything around me falling apart? You guys ever asked yourself those questions? You don't, I mean, you don't have to answer. So many of us have. If you've done life for any amount of time, even if you're a teenager, you're asking yourself those questions at some level. But can I tell you, those questions all have a driving, burning question behind it, especially if you believe in God, especially if you're a Christian. Because as you, as you navigate the world and you navigate those questions, why are those things happening to me? You're asking this other question that is behind them. Man, why? And does God have a plan for me? And how does this fit into that plan? That is the question that we are going to talk about today. What plan does God have for me? Would you guys do me a favor? Let's stand up as we read God's word. We're going to read one passage. We're going to read a story that Jesus had as he talked to the disciples and he led them in a conversation with a group of people called the Pharisees. And this is in Luke chapter 6. So read with me real quick, verse 1. It said, One Sabbath... Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain and rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? 
And then Jesus answered them and said, have you never read, have you never read what David did? When he and his companions were hungry, he entered into the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he gave also some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray real quick. God, as we come before you, God, we just want to lift up your name, lift up your word. God, just thank you for being a God that we can come to in prayer, a God that we can lift up our issues, our problems, our addictions, our anxieties, our broken relationships, our sin in our life, and just give them over to you, God. God, I pray as we, as we navigate your word today that we realize that no matter what we have in front of us and around us and behind us, that you have a future in front of us and that that plan is secure in your word and in your person. God, just I pray for the people to have an open heart today, just to receive that word. And God, we lift up all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, you guys can go ahead and be seated. So we're going on a journey today. Who likes journeys? That's right. Everybody likes a journey. But the word of the day is plan. Repeat after me. Plan. That's right. Does God have a plan for you? Maybe you've never even thought about that question. Can I tell you right now, I'm going to answer the question right off the bat. God's got a plan for you. But maybe you're going to say, oh, man, I, are you sure? What does that look like? Who has plans? I have plans for a lot of different stuff. What am I going to do tomorrow for work? What am I going to do next week? You know, the most fun part of planning is for what? Vacations. I watched some of your guys' uh, social media this summer. You guys went a lot of cool places. I saw Alaska. I saw Colorado, I don't know where, I think I saw it down south somewhere, like uh, Destin. When you go on a vacation, you always make a plan. Some of us plan more than others. Some of us just like, hey, where are we getting gas to off and we're going to take off? I mean, you fly by the seat of your pants. Some of us, we just detail all the way out to how many stops we're going to make, how much we're going to spend at each stop. Here's what we're going to do on each day. We have like this itinerary all figured out. But we've all got a plan of some kind. But can I tell you, when it comes to plans... In journeys and destinations and vacations, there's only two type of people. People that care about the destination and people that care about the journey, right? Now, you guys all fall, fall into one or two categories. And you, might, you might flex a little bit one way or the other, but you care, everybody here cares more about one than the other. Can I tell you this? I don't really give a rip about the journey. I'm all about the destination. <laughs> Get me where I want to go because that's where I'm going to have fun. That's what I've got my plans for. That's what I'm going to do. You know, I had every vacation that I've ever had planned and every trip just figured out, all right, how long is it going to take me to get there? And, man, I would just time it out to the T. Can I tell you, we used to go to Houston all the time when we first got married. My wife had family down there. And can I tell you, in a 93 Ford Ranger with a six-cylinder, the four-liter, I could make one stop in Oklahoma and then stop the last time in Deer Park, Texas, on the south side of Houston, and I'd have two gallons of gas with just that one stop. My wife would have 20 gallons of urine in her bladder up here. And no patience left for me. She was done. But, man, I was all about getting to Houston. Man, we, and here's the other thing. Our family, we go to Colorado all the time. But one of my favorite times I ever went to Colorado was with a group of uh, the Dream Team when we were getting ready to launch here at church. So if you guys don't know, as we got ready to launch, we got to do something really cool that Pastor Sean led us, on, led us through. And it was called shadowing. We got to visit a lot of different churches here in the city. And we got to see how they did set up, you know, with portable and all of that. We just got to catch a vision of what God was doing in those communities. And so, we, you know, we would just say, hey, we like this, we like that. Well, one of the other places we got to go was Colorado because we go into a church called Front Range on the south side of Denver. Now, we had a, two dream team members, Brian and Sarah Buchan, that drew the short straw, and they got to ride with the destination guy, right? I'm all about getting there. Can I tell you, I wish I was more like Brian because Brian, Brian cares about the destination too. But, man, can I tell you that Brian loves the journey? How many people here have driven across Kansas? Most people here, I'm assuming, look at all these hands flying up. Does anybody in here love the journey across Kansas? Yeah, Brian loves the journey across Kansas. Can I tell you that he loves windmills? He loves everything about it. He's taking pictures. I'm, like, looking, checking. I'm like, Christy, is he serious? It's a windmill. But Brian's, like, pointing out all the, all the engineering to it and how they're laid out and everything. And I'm like... Dude, you know what? I wish I was more like Brian. I wish I could appreciate the journey more. You know, Brian, I think you're in here somewhere. There he is. He's right there. I am serious. I'm not messing with you. The man that this passion, I also did another trip with him in Colorado, and every mountain we saw was just like the newest mountain in the world. 
He appreciated the journey. I'm ready to get on mountain bikes and go down the, on the deal. And he's like, every switchback, the, the new Vista come across. I wish I had that passion. It's not me because I'm the destination guy. You know, Elon is spending all this money shooting Teslas into space, figuring out how to get us to Mars. I just want him to build a Hyperloop so I can get to Colorado or Utah in five minutes. I don't care about Mars. I don't care about Teslas in space. I want something that I can use today. I heard stories today. People are getting ready in the next summer. We used to take trips to Colorado, Utah with babies. Man, can I tell you, I was definitely a destination man when I had babies. I care about the destination. Can I tell you what God cares about? God cares about the journey. Man, God cares about your journey. And of course he cares about your destination. Everything that he's done, his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus walking this life and going through everything he did was to secure your destination with him in heaven. He cares more about your destination than you could ever, ever think, ever, ever imagine. But as a Christian, I've always lost the message that he cares about the journey just as much as he cares about the destination. And maybe you're in the same boat. Why does God care about my plan? Or does God care about my plan? Because if you're like me, man, sometimes life hasn't always gone the way that you thought it should have been. You know, if you're coming out of high school, you're always thinking about plans. You know, where am I going? What's my future? If you're middle-aged like me, you know, you might be like, man, did I choose right? Am I on the right plan? Or maybe if you're a little older, you're like, man, maybe my plan's over. And can I tell you, none of those things are absolutely true. God's got something for you in the next season. We just have to search out his face and find out what that is. So the plan that God has for us is so important to him. It should be so important to us. So as we read this story, Jesus is building a plan for his disciples. And, and the roadblocks that they hit were roadblocks that we hit all the time, too. Because if you look at your life and you're thinking about a trip across Kansas, yeah, Kansas isn't that great. But guess what? You're doing 85 miles an hour if you're, if you're, if you're going a little bit over, if you're doing 75, like speed limit. But it's still smooth sailing for the most part. I-70 is not a bad road to travel on. But you look at the road of your life and you see the chuck holes that you hit on a weekly basis or a daily basis. And the flat tires that you get and the blown engines and you run out of gas. And you look at that journey that you've got and it's not a four-lane expressway. It's an old dirt road that you're going to get lost and detoured on. And you don't know where you're at. How do I get to where I need to be? And who's going to help me get there? And maybe that's your life. Maybe the addictions and anxieties that are plugging you or the things that are holding you back. Maybe those are your roadblocks. Maybe you have a broken relationship that you don't know how fits, you know, how does that fit into God's plan? Why would God want me to go through that? You know, what can God use to fulfill that plan in my life with that thing going on in my life? Does God really have a plan for me? Can I tell you that the disciples had those same issues? Because as you walk through this story, they're walking in and having a conversation, really a conflict with a group of people called the Pharisees. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, they get a really bad rap. And most of it probably is deserved. But they were the smartest guys in that day. They were the religious leaders. They were the teachers. They were the ones that Israel looked to for guidance and help. What does God want for us? What is God's plan? The Pharisees had that answer. And they would tell you to the T what that was. So in the midst of that, you have Jesus with the disciples walking into a grain field. And they start picking some grain. And they start rubbing the kernels to get, the, to get that kernel out. They rub the seeds to get it. And the Pharisees step in and they say, what are you doing? You can't do that. The Pharisees were Jesus' biggest pain, but can I tell you this, is that I think overall, I think they were good people. Man, they have to be, right? They studied the law. They studied God's word. They wanted what God wanted in the beginning. But like so many of us and so many influences in our life, they take the good thing of God, the blessing of God, the plan of God, and they get it a little bit twisted. Man, Pastor Sean hit it great a couple weeks ago. Man, we focus so much on God's truth that we forget about God's people. We forget about truth and what? Grace. We get those things twisted. We get them in backwards order. Or sometimes we forget about grace, period. The Sabbath was God's greatest blessing. It was a plan for his people. It's something that he wanted for us. And what the Sabbath is, as Christians, a lot of times we forget about it or we don't know what it is if you haven't studied it. Because for the Sabbath, though, it was the most important thing for a Jew in that time. You take the most controversial subject that we deal with today, and that, obviously that change, seems like it changes every headline anymore, especially in the last two years. I don't care if it's vaccinations or if it's race relations or who's going to win the presidency. Everybody picks a side, and it's a fight. 
But I guarantee you could take all those controversial subjects that we deal with on a day-in, day-out basis right now and wrap them all together. And they don't hold a light to the importance of breaking the Sabbath for the people in Jesus' time. Because everything they did revolved around that. In fact, the Pharisees were so wrapped up on the Sabbath that everything they tried to do to trip up Jesus revolved around the Sabbath. Whether it was breaking uh, kernels here or healing people later. And they cared about the Sabbath. It was the most important thing for them. And it really was part of God's plan. And what the Sabbath was is if you go to Genesis, God created everything, all of creation in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And so what he gave for us as a plan of the Sabbath was a rest too. It was a way for us to enjoy what we had worked for. It was a way for us to remember that God has something for us. And that's what the Sabbath was. It was a good thing. It was a blessing. It was God's plan for his people. And in fact, the the Sabbath was also a shadow of what Jesus would eventually ultimately do for us. Because if you've grown up in religion at all, so many times what we have are traditions and rules and regulations. And this is what I have to do to get to God, to make God happy. I have to do X, Y, and Z. And Jesus says, I'm going to take all that away. He goes, I will be your Sabbath rest in my sacrifice. Everything that we ever needed to do to reconcile to God was done by Jesus. All we have to do is accept that. And so that's what the Sabbath was. It was a good thing. But by the time of Jesus, the Pharisees, even though they had good intentions, they're like, hey, we can't have all this ambiguous ideas of what the Sabbath was. So what they did was they took God's law of resting on the Sabbath, and they added their own 39 rules or categories of how to keep the Sabbath. And they took something that was supposed to be something good in people's life, the plan of God for their life, and they turned it into a weapon, something to weigh people down, something to attack Jesus and his disciples over. But Jesus knew what was going on because Jesus had a plan. He had a plan for his disciples. He has a plan for you. And he's not going to let the Pharisees of our world or that world ruin that. He's going to step in and he's going to break the traditions. He's going to break the man-made regulations. Because that's what the disciples were doing. They were breaking kernels. That's not what Jesus cared about. Because he walked in on purpose to break the conformity to a tradition that the Pharisees had learned from years and years and generations and generations of scribes just like them. And when it comes to breaking, though, it's a word that we don't often like. But can I tell you? That God uses breaking as a blessing because there's things in my life and there's things in your life that we need God to break. There are things that we can't do on our own. There are thought patterns in my life I can't break on my own. There are, there are habits in my life that I've never been able to break on my own. A reliance on God and a dependence on him and his plan for me are the only way that I'm going to live a life that has everything that he wants for me and the purpose that he's got. You think about the things that you struggle with, and they're going to be different than mine. We're all different here. But I guarantee we have those things, right? We have those things that the Pharisees are going to speak over us. And it might not be a person. It might be a thing. It might be an attitude. It might be a position. It might be a tradition. If, you grew, if you're like me, I grew up in church. I had all these traditions placed around me. This is how God works. He doesn't work any other way. This is what it looks like. Man, the older I've gotten, the less true that I've known that to be because God walks in and he'll take those two things. He'll take tradition and he'll take truth. And you can't have both. Because as I was challenged by people that I knew were of God and had God's best in mind, I was like, man, they don't do it like I did it. And they don't do it like the people that train me do it. So what's going to break, my tradition or God's truth? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. As you walk this plan of life, whether it's a freeway that seems easy or whether it's a road full of chuck holes and and broken down cars, what are you going to choose? What are you going to allow God to break in your life? Because I guarantee that the things that he wants to take out of your life are worth breaking. Maybe he needs to break that addiction in your life, the thing that you've given yourself to. Maybe he needs to break that relationship in your life, the thing that you thought that you wanted, the thing that is holding you back from the great purpose that God has for your life. I th- you know, one of the things I think about is this, is that as, as you, you know, if you, if, you, if you read the Bible at all, everybody's got an opinion, all right, all right here's what Jesus should do, or, here, or here's what he did, and here's what he wants you to do. 
And if you study it all, everybody's got all these opinions. And if you've been in any type of different churches, like I already said, everybody's got their own identity, and this is what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Wouldn't it be easy? Let's put it this way. If Jesus showed up today, and he was going to have 12 new disciples, and he put a casting call out, how many of you guys would sign up? Would you guys want to be one of Jesus' 12 disciples? Wouldn't that be easy to figure out what God's plan was? If you could just be one of his disciples, you could just walk around All right, I don't know what God's plan is, but all I'm going to do is follow Jesus. Sounds easy, right? I don't think it would be that easy. I don't think it would be that clear cut. Jesus walked into these disciples' lives. And you got to remember, these guys guys weren't the Pharisees. These guys were fishermen. Put it in your words you guys know and can relate to. These guys were the rednecks of their day, right? Man, these are the guys that were, were out throwing wrenches, you know, they were driving trucks. That's the type of people that Jesus called. You know, there were very, very few people that were educated in Jesus' circle. They just weren't. And they walked in, and you have the Pharisees, and they've got a plan. And this is the plan from God. So who am I? I'm just some redneck. I'm following this guy. Yeah, I'm following him. But, man, everything that I've ever seen, everything I've ever heard done, it's a contradiction to what I see him doing. I don't know that it would be that easy to, to, to be that guy. I don't know who you would be, Peter or John or James. Again, he changed and he challenged every tradition that the disciples ever saw, ever, ever learned. So here's something I really want you guys to hone in on. You hear the word disciple, and it's probably not one that we, we use a lot, right? We, we'll use mentor, mentee. What is, is it, what's the right word there? Apprentice. There we go. I like apprentice better. There is another word, but I'm blanking up here. But we don't hardly ever use the word disciple. But can I tell you, write this down. If you use your version, put it in the notes. If you have a piece of paper, write this down. Because here's the most important thought that I want you guys to take away today. You guys are disciples. Jesus had disciples, and you guys are disciples. Now, here's the thought. You guys are either being discipled by default or by design. By default or by design. Which type of disciple are you? Which type of disciple do you want to be? You know, oftentimes we don't think about what our default standard is, what our, our default setting is. You get a TV, you get a computer. I'm not technologically inclined that way. I just like, I want it to work. But if it doesn't, I need somebody to come in and set it up. And I, I think, I'll pick on Brian again one time. I had problems with the Wi-Fi. He coming in, he's like, all right, you need to set your router settings to this. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Just make it work. <laughs> I'm tired of my phones getting locked up. I don't understand all this stuff because I don't need to know it on a daily basis. I'm constantly used to the default setting, and it doesn't usually work. Because the things that we have in our life, we need something different. And that's the same way for Jesus. He comes in, and he wants to change that setting. I remember that when we first started having kids, one of the coolest things that I thought was going to be to introduce to my kids the things that I loved growing up. And one of the things I loved was Star Wars. I don't know if we have any Star Wars fans in here. Is there anybody? Got a couple? The rest of you got Star Trek fans or you just don't like science fiction? I don't know. I love Star Wars. And so I, I bought like hard, all these hardback books, like coffee table books, and you could open them up. They were real super nice. And they would go through all the characters, through all the books, even some of the legends, stuff like that. And then the coolest thing I got my son, Logan, who's at the back working on the table, was a lightsaber. Do you guys ever have a lightsaber that lit up and made the noises and all that? Yeah, a couple of you. I hear you guys laughing. You guys had one. Well, here's what I didn't understand was I left my son in the default setting because he was getting discipled by George Lucas in Star Wars. So guess what my son thought he had? He thought he had force abilities. And I did not know this until one day he decided to take his lightsaber and jump off the top of a bunk bed and try to float in the air and use his lightsaber to attack a ceiling fan. It didn't end well. Son, you do not have the force. and The force is not strong with you. We ended up in the ER, a whole rigmarole. It wasn't pretty. The, the, the ER, the x-ray tech said, hey, your son's got a spiral fracture in his arm. I'm like, yeah, he broke his arm. She's like, do you know what that means? I'm like, no. She goes, well, we see these every once in a while. I'm like, all right, cool. She's like, do you know when? I'm like, no. She's like, well, usually it's child abuse. I'm like, oh. I said, I promise. He's being discipled by George Lucas. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. But it was. I left him in default. Can I tell you that you guys have been discipled by default for so much of your life? Because we're disciples of dysfunction. And it's not your fault. It's how you were raised. It's what you were born into. 
And so many of these choices around you, you had no control over. You can't control your parents where you were born, what kind of situation you had around you. I didn't realize the dysfunction in my own life until my parents got divorced when I was 17. And even at that point, I didn't really understand how that really affected me. I just knew that I was affected by it. But as I went and spent more time with my grandparents, I got to hear their stories. I told you I like questions, right? And so I was always asking questions, you know, how were you raised? Because they were children of the Depression. They grew up in northern Missouri, southern Iowa. And I got to hear how they lived. And the way they lived, the way they grew up, affected how they raised my dad. And I did not know that. I didn't even think about it. And that, in turn, affected how my dad raised me. And so the dysfunctions that started generations before me came into my life, and they shaped and colored who I was, who I am today, really, without the grace of God. Maybe you're in the same boat. I don't know what kind of situation you were raised in, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. You are a disciple of the dysfunction that came. And we live in a broken world, so I know there's dysfunction in every person's here's life. Do we leave it alone and stay in that default setting, or do we turn to God? Not only are we disciples of dysfunction, I would say as I've gotten older and as you grow up and you mature, you become apprentices of anxiety and maybe addiction. So we take those dysfunctions and we grow anxiety. We grow worry in our lives. And we're like, is God really enough? Can God do this? And we bring pain into our lives because we've hit those chuckles and we've hit those detours. And we've taken those relationships that we thought were good, and we've poured everything into them, and they've become destructive, and then they've hauled us, and they've taken us down paths and roads that we never thought they would. We've taken addictions, whether it's to that relationships or drugs or alcohol or whatever, and we've turned to them because we don't know how else to deal with the pain. And instead of turning to God, we turn to the things that we can readily grab a hold of. And those are the things that we naturally incline ourselves to, that apprenticeship of, of anxiety, of addiction, or the things that, that come into our lives, and we don't know how to let those go because they're so comfortable and they're so easy to grab a hold of, and everybody else around us does it. We have whole lives that are built on worries and what-ifs and thoughts of scarcity. Can God really do this? Man, can I tell you, Sean's given so many stories about launching this church Man, I had no idea. I had thoughts of scarcity. I, to be honest, I still do. Is God really going to do something here? And then every time the people of God show up, you guys, man, God shows up in a way that is so unimaginable. I'm left shaking my head. I know that these guys are too. And hopefully you guys are as well. If you see the miracle that God shows up with, to have an apprenticeship of anxiety is a limiting factor. It's a discipleship by default. So not only are we disciples of dysfunction and we are apprentices of anxiety and addiction, Can I tell you, for a lot of us, we have an internship in insecurity. And this is the thing that really hits home for so many of us, what our our identity is. Because we're, we're taught that we're so screwed up, we can't trust ourselves, and therefore we can't trust God. That identity that over is held over us is spoken, and we're told everything that's wrong with us. And it's held over us, and it's insinuated over us, and it's held against us. And I've been in churches, and I had a great conversation with somebody yesterday. And they were super excited because they, got to, they get to teach a, a Sunday school lesson at the church they go to called Grace every six weeks. And he made a comment. He said, I've been in so many churches where they hold the doors closed because I wasn't good enough. And that's the thing. I've been in churches like that as well. If you're not born there and you haven't lived there 50 years or you don't have three degrees from a, a seminary, you're not good enough to serve Jesus. Because the identity that's spoken over us because of our past, the things that we've done, the things that have happened to us, the things that we've, we've experienced, are limiting factors at so many places that they say, we're the Pharisees. You don't measure up, let us do it. But that's not the truth. That's a discipleship by default. That's the default setting for so much of the world. But I want you guys to know that God has a choice for you. You don't have to be held in that discipleship by default. Because there's another option And it's a discipleship by design. It's a discipleship by design. It means I've got a plan. It's because God's got a plan. He's got something great for you. And maybe you don't know what it is today. You don't have all the details. But can I tell you, find God's face. He'll have it it for you. And even in the midst of that pain, you'll find God's plan. And here's what's so interesting about 
about what Jesus does here. Because the question that he asked the Pharisees is so, so interesting. Because he knows that he is walking into a world where he's forcing his disciples to make that choice. What are the disciples going to do? Here they are breaking, here they're breaking the kernels. And they're doing it with Jesus' permission. He knows what's going on. And then you have the smartest guys in the room show up and they're like, you're breaking the law. What are you doing? So are they going to follow these Pharisees in the 39 categories that they're going to speak over these disciples' lives? They're going to hold them back and they're going to twist God's plan? Or are they going to have a discipleship of design and follow what Jesus has for them? And that plan that relieves anxiety and takes away those tensions and gets rid of that depression and the addictions. And uses those things that we've gone through to achieve a purpose in our lives that we have never could have done without God and God's blessing. Can I tell you that you have to copy the original? You have to imitate what you want to be. There's a saying we used to say around here. I think we still every once in a while we'll do it. You have to imitate before you innovate. And can I tell you that there is no better person that you can imitate than the person of Jesus? Because when he walked in, he walked into these Pharisees, and the Pharisees wanted to have these, they wanted to have these debates and these fights and this judgment. And then maybe you're here today, and you've got that Pharisee in your life, somebody that's speaking this truth over you, that's telling you you're not good enough, or maybe because you've had something in your life that you've experienced that's holding you back, that's saying that you're not good enough for God. And that's what Jesus was trying to break through with these Pharisees. You know what's really cool? Is that the Pharisees, again, smartest people in the room. They knew the Bible better than anybody. So what did Jesus do? It comes back to this series. He asked him a question. And the Pharisees are like, I'm a good test taker. I'm ready. You guys test takers? The Pharisees, they knew all the answers. They're ready for whatever he's got. And he says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Back in verse 3. Pharisees, have you never read what David did? And they're like, all right, where are you going with this, Jesus? I don't know if you guys know who David did, but he was the second king of Israel. And he was one of the fathers that they all looked up to. He's one of the best kings that Israel ever had. But man, Jesus, or David walked into a context and a, had a life that was just as screwed up, if not more screwed up than what you guys will ever face. And if you ever read his story, like when I go and read David, I'm like, man, it's like Jerry, Jerry, right? There are things here that would just blow your mind if you don't know his stories. I know some of the stories you, you have to know would be the ones like he took out, he took out Goliath, the greatest giant leader for the Philistines, the greatest warrior in that day. And, and, and David was just a teenage boy, and he goes and kills him with a sling. But that's not the story that Jesus references here. So I don't have a lot of time, but here's what I, here's, here, here, I want to lay out for what's going on in David's life. David has been chosen by God to be the next king. He's been chosen. There was a prophet named Samuel. He let him know. But he wasn't the king yet. He was, he was underneath a king called Saul. And Saul wasn't just some Joe Schmo. He was the first king of Israel. And everybody looked to him to be the leader, kind of like the Pharisees. Everybody looked to him. What is Saul going to do? That's what we're going to do. So David is in this, in this, in this world where he's following Saul. He kills, he kills uh, Goliath. So Saul puts him in charge of more things. And, and, and David becomes this great warrior. And he destroys tens and thousands of soldiers that are getting his way. And God empowered him to do that. Not only was David a great warrior, Saul had a lot of issues. He had a lot of mental issues. He had a lot of spiritual attacks in his life. There was a lot of spiritual warfare going on. So what did he do? He was looking for some relief. Well, David was a great musician. So he would call David in, and David would play his instrument. Man, he would calm he would calm Saul's heart. He would bring a peace back into his life. Not only that, Saul saw how well David did in every realm, everything that he touched, God had a purpose on it, God had a plan for it, and God blessed his life. He gave David one of his daughters to be his wife. So Saul was also his father-in-law. And how many places have you guys been wrapped up that tight with a person where everything that you did was in their orbit and then they turned their back on you? Because that's what happened with David. Saul was his king. Saul was his patient. Saul was his father-in-law. Saul tried to kill him several times, 
tried to kill him with a spear, tried to pin him to the wall. After everything David did, Saul tried to take him out. And maybe something's trying to take you out today. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee there's an attack in your life. There is a Saul in your life that is trying to destroy you. But David had a choice. And David knew that there was a plan that God had for his life in the same way that David, or the same way that God's got a plan in your life as well. You know how David knew that plan? He had a man called Samuel that we just talked about. David had Saul, but he had Samuel. And Samuel was a prophet. And he spoke for God. And he came into David's life and said, hey, here's what you're facing. Here's what God's called you to. I want you to know that you're good enough. God's called you. God's gifted you. God's got a great purpose on your life. And we talk about that every week. And man, I hope you guys take that to heart. You guys aren't any different than David. You might not be kings of a country, but you were a king of what God's called you to in your life. Because he's put you in an area that only you have dominion over to influence, whether it's your family, it's your job. I don't know what it is, but God's called you to something great to change the world for him right where you're at. And so David has a choice. You have a choice. How does David become king when the only king that he's ever seen is crazy? Like legitimately crazy trying to kill him. Do I mimic what I've seen? Do I become discipled by default? Or man, do I listen to the guy Samuel who's speaking God's truth into my life? And can I tell you, can I be an encouragement to you? I don't know that David would have made it if he didn't have Samuel in his life. Who in your life is walking your path with you? Because if you're doing life alone, you're in trouble. I don't care how powerful, how great you are. And David, 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 we probably couldn't hold a candle to anything David ever did as far as how he was gifted physically, mentally, spiritually. And even David needed a Samuel. Who's your Samuel? Here's my other encouragement. If you need help find a Samuel, check out life groups. I know we push that and they're launching right now. But in a life group, you will find somebody that cares about you, that pursues God, that wants the best for you, will be someone, someone there to listen to what you're going through. Man, you might not have a Saul trying to actually murder you and kill you and stick you to the wall, but I guarantee there's a Saul after you right now. Man, wouldn't it be nice to have a Samuel that can speak some truth into your life and just give you another perspective of what God might be using that for and might, doing, might be doing with that? Can I tell you that God wants something for you. God wanted something for David. We have a discipleship by default or we have a discipleship by design. And you have a choice. What are you going to pick? Because it starts right now. It is 11.59 on September the 19th, 2021. Make that decision today. Am I going to stay in the past and deal with the same issues that I always have and leave my life on the default setting? Or am I gonna to run to Jesus and am I gonna copy the original? Am I gonna be discipled by design? Am I gonna make the same choice that David did and rely on the kernel that God is breaking apart, the truth that he wants to give me in my life? And let me tell you, there are so many stories that Jesus could have told about David. And some of them are really cool, like about Goliath, but man, some of them aren't real flattering. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you don't know my story, Barry, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but I can tell you what David did. David also committed adultery. David also committed murder. David left his family in dysfunction because he kept one kid at arm's length and then he didn't discipline another one. And it has ruined his whole family. But in the midst of that, David fell. But guess what? David got up. And in Acts, it talks about David being a man after God's own heart. And it wasn't because he didn't mess up. It wasn't because David didn't have a past. It was because David was holding on to the kernel that God had for him, the truth, the plan, the purpose. God had something for him, even in the midst of the potholes and the detours. What's God's plan for you today? Man, I wish I could give you the details. I don't even know the own details of my next 20 years. I can't tell you where I'm going to be. I can't tell you what your next job's going to be. I can't tell you what your, your marriage status is going to be in 20 years. I don't have those details. But what I can tell you is this, is that if you're going to walk a path of discipleship, please pick the one of design. Don't let the default setting be the one that you just rely on and fall back to because it is not one that you want to be in. 
I talked about this morning, and I don't have this on my notes, but I'm going to share it with you guys as well. We all need a Samuel. But can I tell you that the Saul's in your life, when you find what God has for you and the plan he's got, you will thank God for the Saul's that come in. And you may not thank you may not thank God for that Saul right in the midst of the pain and the destruction and the hurt, but can I tell you that God will use that pain and hurt and destruction, and he will make something beautiful of your life in ways that you never could have imagined. Half the people here, I would never know had I not had a Saul in my life. The Saul in your life will be a challenge, and it will be a pot for God to grow him in. It will make a dependence on God, on Jesus, for you to run to. Because the Saul comes and the Saul's go. But God is always there. And so here's where we'll land. And here's where we'll end. Two things. When we talked about the disciples earlier and made a quick joke about casting calls, I'm sure if you guys know the story of the disciples, you guys can always put yourself, man, I really identify with Peter. I really identify with John. Maybe you're really honest. Maybe you identify with Thomas. Man, I, I doubt God every once in a while, but I believe in him. And I've known a lot of Peters, I've known a lot of Johns, I've known a lot of James. I've never known anybody that ever wanted to be Judas. Nobody ever holds him up as somebody to emulate because he was the person that betrayed Christ. He was the one that sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Who would ever want to be him? In fact, I guarantee, I I shouldn't guarantee, I don't personally know anybody named Judas. It's not a name that anybody wants to have on their children. It's like Benedict or Adolf. Nobody wants to have a Judas. And here's the thing, in my arrogance, I've always thought that Judas was a throwaway. Judas was a piece of trash to be given away because he's what he did. And as I thought about it, the truth is this. In my walk and in my life, I've probably done a lot of the things that Judas did. I've betrayed God. I've walked away for what he wanted for me. I've sold him out. But I think what makes Judas different from Peter or James or John is this is that those guys screwed up just as bad as Judas, but their lives were redeemed because they didn't give up on themselves. The plan of God, the gospel that redeems everybody has a plan. It's your choice whether to accept it or not. And Judas didn't. Judas walked away and didn't give God a chance to redeem his life. And if you don't think that's true, look at Paul who wrote half the New Testament. His first job was to kill as many people in the church as he could. And God took somebody like that, somebody that wanted to destroy the church, and he's the one that used to blow it up across the world. God could have used Judas as well. God God can use you. I don't care what choices you've made. If you're still here today, there is a chance, there is a choice to be discipled by design. Because just like the disciples were sitting there breaking those grains apart to get to the good stuff, they were breaking that husk away. They're getting rid of the worthless things to get to the good stuff, to get to the kernel. And can I tell you, that's what God is doing with your life today. You may not understand that, and you may not know that, and you may never even thought about that, but God is taking the husk away from your life. The things that are holding you back, the things that are insulating you from God's purpose. You can take your hands like this. I don't know if you've ever shelled grain before, but that's how you can do it by hand. You can break it away. You know what the husk is? It's the worthless stuff. But we like it. It's the addictions. We like it. It's the relationships. What is God breaking and wanting to take away to release you to find the truth that he has for you? And again, that's my challenge for you guys today. Find that Samuel. Allow God to thresh you by hand, to pull away the things that keep you comfortable but keep you apart from God because God has a great plan for you. Amen. I look at every person in here, and I don't know what that future holds. Only God does. But I guarantee if you make that choice for design rather than default, you will change the world. And every week we end here by saying this. So whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose, we're talking about a plan. God's got a plan for you today. Would you guys pray? God, we come before you. God, we just thank you for the plan that you have for our lives. God, thank you for each person here. God, I don't know who walked in here today with an insecurity or an anxiety or an addiction. God, I pray for them today. God, I pray for them just to give their lives over to you if they know you, just to just allow you to lovingly thresh them and allow you to pull away those impurities, the things that are holding them back from discovering and finding their real purpose for you in, in you. 
God, just I pray that you give them the opportunity and the choice and the desire to find that passion that you have for them. God, just help them to be change agents, change the world, change their community. God, just thank you for them and how they will just, just live for you and, and grow and grab a passion. God, I just can't wait to see just the fruit and the harvest that will come from their lives as they, as they change and they give themselves to you. God, I want to pray for one last group. And if you're listening today and you don't know God and you don't know what this plan is and you've never even thought about God having a plan for you, can I tell you that God has a great plan for you as well? He's got a great plan for everybody. And if you haven't met God, man, your life will change once you give it over to him. Because you've walked in here today with those same anxieties and burdens and addictions that the rest of us deal with, but you deal with it all by yourself. And it's from something called sin. It's something that has broken this world and you can't read a headline and not know that there's something wrong out there. And the Bible calls that sin. And maybe you can't change your past, but I can guarantee you change your future. So if you're here today or you're following along online and you know that God's got a, something that he's calling you to and you wanna give your life to God, man, he is only a moment away. He's a choice to be made for today. He wants something for your life. So if you're ready to make that decision for God, you're ready to follow him, and just pray a prayer, something like this, just to give your life to God. Say, God, I just come before you, and I know that I lived a broken life, and I don't know how to fix that, and so I wanna give everything I have over to you. God, please take the things that I'm guilty of, my sin and my shortcomings, take those and put those on the cross. And God, cover those. And God, just help me to follow you and just to give and live my life completely for you. And God, just thank you for hearing my prayer and accepting me into your life and in your, your kingdom, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, for anybody that's made that decision, can we lift it up for them, whether they're here or online? Thanks, guys. Come on, what a word. Barry's bringing the heat. There's so much in there. And uh, I want to encourage you. I love what you said earlier about uh, what does God need to break in your life? Man, what a great question. Uh, for all honest, there's something all of our lives that God needs to take control of. And um, for some of you, God did something really big today. And he broke something that changed your entire eternity. He broke the curse of sin in your life. He set you free when you start a relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you, you made that decision, we want to encourage you every step of the way. It's the beginning of a journey, uh, not to perfection, but a journey of following Jesus. And we'd love to connect with you and help you. So it'd be our honor and privilege for you if you just text us. For us, I mean, if you text us, uh, RL next tonight, 7,000. We'd love to connect with you and help you on your journey and uh, get you in the right place and meet the right people and um, get you going. If you're in the room, we have a Bible for you on the way out with some next steps in as well. So I got next steps, everybody. Today is a really special day in the house. Uh, our fall life groups launch today. Come on, somebody. Come on. It's exciting. Here's the thing. You know, he talked about finding a, uh, finding a Samuel. Find some in your life that can help you. And uh, we all get stuck in addictions and stuck in ourselves and our thought process and this stuff. And uh, we believe this, and it's just truth, that freedom is found best in relationships. This is where your life change starts to happen. You know, the church is not a Sunday thing. This isn't the church. When we wrongfully think of church by coming here and sitting and watching some people on stage do their stuff, but that's not church. You are the church. And you're called to live on mission and live together. In the early church, they met in houses and they gave up everything and were with each other. And this is a little piece of what we do is Sunday morning. And so our, if you don't get in a life group, you're really missing out on the essence of who we are as Christians and what we do here at Real Life. So I'd encourage you to get into a life group. I know schedules, yada, yada, yada. It's just God calls us to be in relationships. And your breakthroughs found in relationships. And the reason I know this is because if you've been through uh, AA or been through a 12-step program, it's all about relationship with God and relationship with other people. And so I encourage you to get it. You need it more than you think, and other people need it as well. So jump in. We've got 15 of them. They go live starting today this, throughout this week. So I'm really, really excited about it. Second thing is this. Uh, we've all been in that season where we need extra help. Uh, we need some coaching, some extra counseling. We've all had in a season maybe depression or the wrong thought processes or addictions. And for real honest, we probably could uh, use this more than we'd ever imagined. Uh, but we, our church offers four free counseling sessions for anybody and everybody, and uh, we'd love to help you. 
And so if you're in a season where we talked about all these cycles and insecurities and all these things we're dealing with and you need some extra help, man, no shame in that. And I would encourage you maybe some routine maintenance, man. I heard either, right? And so maybe change the oil before the car breaks down, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but you guys are getting some counseling. And so uh, we have a group we're partnering with called the Lending Group, and they do a phenomenal job. They're Christian-based Christian based counseling, but they're also state certified. And so you kind of get the best of both worlds. So I'd highly recommend that. I know a lot of you have already connected that in the past. And uh, if this is a season you need that, reach out to us, info at reallifechurchkc.com. Love to connect with you. Next week is a very special week. There's a little thing going on at night, and I'll talk about the morning in a minute, but at night we're doing our crash course. And so it's for you, you that want to take a next step. You don't know exactly uh, if, if this is a place for you yet or you want to get more involved. Uh, it's a chance for you to sit down, me and Diane. We're going to do it at 5 o'clock at my house, 5 to 7.30, after the Chiefs game. Come on, somebody. After a Chiefs victory, I should say, um, which will be all season. There's not going to be defeated. Um, I'm not going to make predictions, but <laughs> making a prediction. Um, but anyway, I would love to come out, especially if you're on the edge of like getting involved or just don't know what's next for you. We just hear your stories, get connected, uh, talk about through our life group process, what it looks like to be a part of real life, where we started, where we're going. And most important thing is we get to know you. And so oftentimes I don't get to connect with you. So you can sit down with me and wife. I will say, I didn't say it's the first one. We are providing dinner. Come on, somebody. So it'll be something good. We're not going to go cheap on you. We're not a cheap church. We'll do something good. Um, so anyway, be involved in that. If you guys give here, thank you so much for you guys, what you do to make a difference and your generosity and just giving as God leads. Seriously, it is incredible uh, what God's done through generosity in the last four years. And so uh, we are gearing up. Our Hope Center is right on the edge. We are like right there for our permit. So be praying for a meeting with the city this next week. And when you guys give, you are being a part of everything that's going to happen through this Hope Center and through our church. Last week was incredible. First, first Responder Sunday, so many firefighters, so many police officers, man, so much great. Uh, they were grateful reaching out. And so, I mean, you guys play a part in this. So I will say, if you've never given or you're giving sporadically, like when you got the extra, you know, um, can I encourage you to make giving a priority? It's so hard to start, but God asked us to do it. And I think of Abel in the Bible, gave us first fruits. So I encourage you to be a part of what we're doing. Move from you to we and be a part of what God's doing here at Real Life. And so I encourage you through to give. You can give online at reallifechurchkc.com. You can give uh, text to give, or text any amount to 84321 or giving box and back with envelopes on the way out. Next Sunday, the big thing going down, be a part of it. Fourth birthday. Come on, somebody. Come on. Unreal. Crazy. Four years old. What happens to the time? Uh, we're going to have all sorts of stories on stage. It's not going to be your typical style message. You're going to hear highlights of people. You're going to hear what people are grateful for. You're going to hear our stories of the beginning. You're going to hear a vision of where we're going. Uh, we're baptizing a little small thing, by the way. Come on. Um, it's going to be awesome. So many people sign up for that. So I would encourage you to be a part next week by being part of this, showing up, bringing family and friends. And so I want to encourage you to get all the details. Amazing video. Check it out. You've got questions, we've got answers. Pastor Sean and Diane are back. Where'd they go? It's Facebook Live, 1 p.m. this Tuesday. See you then. Well, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Real life is turning four. You and your family are going to hear life-changing stories as we celebrate how people are transformed through Jesus, through real life. We are having an incredible photo booth for you and we're throwing a huge birthday party in Real Life Kids. And rumor has it that Mary Mountain Cookies is gonna be in-house. Best of all, we are celebrating through baptism. We have a great group signed up already and we have room for more. If you would like to be baptized, please go online to reallifechurchkc.com and sign up. Our team will walk with you and walk with you all the way through the journey. Hey, Jared, I'm right here. <laughs> this is you time. Take it. We would love to celebrate what God has done in your life. Join us next Sunday. Hey, I'm right here. <laughs> I think he's falling asleep, guys. <laughs> we would love to celebrate with you next Sunday at 9.30 and 11 and 
Let's have a fiesta. <laughs> What's with the fountain? Were you, are you falling asleep? Were you binge watching Jesus on The Chosen last night? <laughs> All of those things are true of Jared, asleep and watching The Chosen at the same time. No. Um, hey, who's excited for our fourth birthday party next week? Yes, I hope that you will be here. We will be here at 9.30 and 11. We'll be baptizing. You are not going to want to miss out on anything that's going on. It's going to be a packed morning and so much fun. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, we'll have a member of our team up here right after this. You can come up and connect with them for prayer today. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. And then as we leave you today, go Chiefs. And remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you guys next week.